What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday, I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry, where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go. Today's snack features the CEO and founder of one of the most exciting technologies in the world of sports. We're talking about WSC Sports, which is the most prominent Israeli sports technology company in the world. WSC Sports was founded in 2012 in Tel Aviv by a group of friends, one of which is here with us today. The initial idea was to provide short-form videos for coaches, scouts, and training staff. However, once they realized the potential, they pivoted to AI-generated highlights for sports broadcasts. The platform identifies and analyzes every event that occurs in live sports broadcasts and in real time creates and publishes customized short-form videos to a broad set of different networks. WSC has raised over 39 million US dollars to date, and they work with over 200 leagues and organizations worldwide, such as the NBA, the NHL, ESPN, FanDuel, Bleacher Report, you name it. It's a complete honor to host the CEO and co-founder of the global leader in artificial intelligence-driven sports video technology, ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Schichmann. Hey, Ronan. Great intro. Great to be here. It's going to be fun. I, it's an honor for me to have you uh, in my show. I've been following WSC for a while now. And, man, let's kick it off with an icebreaker straight away. And I want to know, what is your most watched movie? Most watched movie when I was uh, a younger, obviously. It was Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Like the first one I watched, I think, eight to ten times. Well, something like that. <laughs> And is it like the same one today or, or you you have a new one, preferred one? Unfortunately, I don't have time to see movies in the last few years. And it's just, uh, with the company, family, kids and other things are going. So I hope to get back to it in a few years. What's yours, Ronan? Mine, I think, is uh, Toy Story, man. The first one. You know, as a kid, you just watch it like on repeat. Like you finish it and then you kick, you, you start it again. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was mine, Daniel. Um Man, I'm I'm so excited to have you on the show. Uh, plan to ask you about so many different you know things related to you, to sports and technology, to WSC, really about AI and technology powering powering the platform. Uh, really, also maybe we'll talk about leverage and content and the future of OTT. But I want to kick it off maybe just by starting to understand uh, who are you in terms of like how you build your curriculum in in sports. I remember from listening to one of the other podcasts uh, that where you appeared that you mentioned that you you played basketball uh you were part of like a league so maybe uh, tell us a little bit about your curriculum specifically in sports and also also your uh, curriculum in technology like how those two came along together to then build the Daniel Schiffman that we know today. <laughs> so yeah sports has been a big part of my life ever since I was a child I played basketball in the team until I was, uh, was 18. Uh, some might say I was even quite good. Uh, and uh, obviously a huge part of my life uh, was the basketball and training and everything. And, and obviously as part of it, a, a huge sports fan that watches almost everything on TV, whether it's volleyball, car racing, golf, like everything out there. Uh, and also had a, another job as a manager in football manager game in, in the PC, if you know that. Uh, so sports was a very big thing for me. 
Uh, in addition to that, I was a good student, but I was never like one of those wonder kids that, that build computers or learn how to code when they were nine. Uh, but after I, I finished my uh, my, my uh, high school, I went to study electrical engineering, then served in the army as an engineer and got more experience and exposure on how to build systems and what can be done. And I really liked the technology and, and the engineering uh, side of it. And then I just tried to find a way to combine sports with technology and working uh, with with friends. And then, as you've mentioned, uh, we tried to do something as a hobby. And one of the founders, Hi, was a coach. I played basketball, so we said, okay, let's do something for fun. It was just as a hobby at night to build a video scouting a software to help coaches to learn the strengths and weaknesses of their opponents or themselves. And uh, we don't know how, but it started to to, to was a, it was a good tool and got sold to a few premier teams in Europe. And, and then we got exposure on what it means not only to build a product and sell it, but also how to support it and how to get feedback from the industry and how to fine tune it and then just think on go to market. And, and a lot of things that, that you just learn by, 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 by getting into the mud and doing it. Uh, and yeah, and after finished army service, we wanted to, to still stay in sports and not go to, to all the engineering places uh, that we could have. Uh, we started researching the, the sports industry. We saw that media rights is a big thing. And along with trends that we thought that are happening in the industry uh, with the consumer behavior and piracy and all these things, that's, uh, we thought that's a space that worth getting into. Uh, we got into it. This is our first uh, real job ever since. And we're, and we're learning by, by doing a lot of mistakes. So I think that is uh, how we got shaped, by, by a lot of trial and error and uh, our own life experiences for good and the bad. How quickly did the project go from idea to execution when you and 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 Hi and your friends agreed on on building WSC? Uh, so if we're talking about the media piece as we do today, so I think once we we had a, a general direction about the fact that we want to start create a platform that knows how to index sports and create content, and we had a lot of options, then we started going to the market and ask questions. That was the first thing that we've done. We just went and, and spoke to a lot of sports organizations uh, in Switzerland, in the US, in different places to try to understand where the, where's the real pain and what can we solve and what is real additive and, and impactful. Uh, and then some of them started to tell us that content creation is important, uh, that personalization is getting there. Uh, and, and they told us that the task is really hard and they don't think we can make it. And that even uh, made it even more compelling to get into it. Uh, and then the product itself, the first version, which is always not good enough, uh, was ready in a few months already. And then you give it to the first client, which luckily for us was the NBA. And then uh, and then there was like, a, they were really an amazing design partner, all credits to them because we got real fast feedback and how we need to improve stuff. And we didn't sleep at all uh, for, for a full year. We were awake uh, at nights at Israel time to make sure to see how things are working and then working and then staying up and then in the morning, building it and improving it all the time, almost like that for a full year. Uh, and then from that point on, Things are just, uh, this is still the mentality, but we keep growing. Man, tons of respect to you and to uh, four of your friends, four, four friends that really agreed on building WSC. Man, it's hard to, you know, align everyone in the same page and, and have everyone, you know, work to the towards the same direction. Uh, sometimes, you know, founders prefer to, you know, either go on their own or just find one co-founder. So I wonder if there was any specific agreement or, or, or deal that you guys made, like, I'm going to be in charge of this. You're going to be in charge of that. Like, how did you guys did it to, to 
to like agree on working on this and still be very efficient towards it? Uh, so I think the, the first, the most important thing is that we're very good friends. Really, that, that's even before everything. We're really good friends. We get along together. We have fun together and, and we do it really well. But in addition to being friends, we're four very different people. Like if you look at us and you talk to us, you're, you're like you say, how are they friends? They're not even close <laughs> to each other. And everyone is like really different. And, and, and then everyone got drifted naturally to, their, to, to, to different places. And one to the technology side, one to the operation side, one to the business side, and I'm like the kindergarten uh, side. So everyone, uh, everyone, so that, that's the easy part. And then from that point on, like everyone ha uh, has their own domain, they're in charge of it, and they know how to run it. And we all trust each other, like to, to, that we'll do the best we can, even if we make a lot of mistakes. Um, and yeah, so, so it sounds too, too ideal, but actually it is, uh, at least for the last uh, 10 years. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been fun and I'm blessed to, to have these guys uh, in the race. That's amazing. Danny, let's talk about the technology of WSC. Specifically, let's talk about the elements that make up WSC. I remember reading there was uh, audio recognition. Um, there's also video, real-time video analysis and specific algorithm. But can you mention just, you know, over the top, what are the like main components of the technology that make up, you know, you, you can say AI, but AI mm -hmm. is also like built of some components. So maybe just tell us real quick, what are like the, the components that, that make up WSC? Yeah, so, so the way, a bit before that, the way the platform works is that we ingest a live stream. So the same one that you watch as a fan and watch the game, Uh, our platform gets it and tries to analyze it and then try to understand everything that happens within the game to identify every action, whether it's a dunk or a goal or a touchdown, the exact time it happened, what are the perfect start and end time. So if there were three passes leading to the goal to make sure that's included in the clip, or if there's a close up of the player that just scored the basket to make sure that's included, we don't cut the commentator and we also add rating on how interesting or exciting the play is. Now, the way it works, and, and that's your question, is as we get the stream, we try to analyze it in, in you know, the game in three different layers. The first one is the real video analysis, and we have per sport different things and, and the mechanisms that we're looking at, whether it's identifying specific locations of players, whether it's identifying the specific action, like a golf swing, we have a neural network that knows how to identify that, a shot in basketball, a pass in football, and things like that. We also identify the different scenes When, and a lot of things. So everything we can extract from the video footage itself. The second layer is the audio layer analysis. And then it's what, what is being said, but how the audio behaves. So if the commentator speaks fast or starts to shout or the crowd goes crazy or there are specific sounds per sport. So that is something that is helping us to also get indications and identify uh, that things are happening. And the third layer is data that we're just uh, ingesting play-by-play -play data that is out there. There are a lot of companies are providing it. So once we do video analysis, audio analysis, and data analysis, combining everything into like the black box, and, and from that point on, try to, to understand exactly as I've mentioned, what happened, when, who did it, what is the start of the, what is the end, how interesting it is. And once we have everything broken down and we analyze more than 100 streams per year, and we have all of the little segments, then comes the second part of the technology where our users, which are the leagues, the broadcasters, can go and set rules and tr triggers to what content will be created and where it's going to be sent to. Um, so they can say, okay, at the halftime of a game, create a, a, a game highlight so far in three different versions. The first one will be one minute in vertical to the app. The second will be three minutes to the website. The third will be 10 minutes with a sponsor to YouTube. 
uh, and the system automatically starts to generate that content and really customize it for every platform, every use case, and basically that's it. I want to talk about the vulnerability of the technology or probably the weakness. Mm -hmm. And here's here's what I'm thinking, and, and you tell me what's your experience with this. But for instance, if you're analyzing audio and the crowd noise, for instance, what happens when you don't have a crowd noise? And like, for instance, in, during COVID, during the bubble, for instance, in the NBA, uh, there was no crowd. So how how exactly... So let's talk first about how vulnerable is the code or how how precise, how accurate can you predict things that are happening in the field with small changes mm -hmm. in, in the inputs. And let's also talk about how really the pandemic shifted your code on a fundamental level. So first talk about like vulnerability. How vulnerable is the code? Mm -hmm. So basically when you go and train a neural network, the, 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 let's call it the traditional way to do it is you collect a lot of data, a lot of samples of what you want the system to learn. It's like a four-year-old kid. You showed him something a lot of times, he will learn that this is a horse or this is a dog or whatever. So it's the same way. You show a lot of samples and as you have more variety and more things that are different angles, different uh, lens, different whatever, the system learns better. And obviously, if you come and show it something it has never seen before, if you show a, a new angle, then the system will not identify it. So that's, and that's a given thing. The same way a person will see something totally new, they will not identify it, a kid, not a, a grown-up. Uh, but as the system is now analyzed hundreds and hundreds of thousands of events of every type in every sport, the system is now uh, very uh, mature and identifies a lot of things. In addition to that, as any AI system, we have an internal confidence system that whenever the system is not certain of something, it, the system might think it, it has seen a basket, but it is not uh, certain. It, it, it uh, provides a flag. And then we, we know that we need to look at it, we need to identify, we need to take a second look and things like that. Uh, so that in terms of the vulnerability and then in terms of the pandemic, what you've asked. So I think the pandemic, like the audio is obviously one of the indicators and it helps us to identify the things that happened and how interesting they are and how exciting they are. But as I've said before, there are other indicators. So the lack of quiet noise might hurt a little bit the confidence, as I've mentioned earlier, because it's an indicator that might not exist, but also or might hurt the uh, how exciting the play is. But then on the other end, if you, as a fan, if you watch something and if I let you watch a game with fans and then without fans and you'll see this exact same moment. And if I'll ask you which goal is better, you'll say that the one with the audio track is more exciting as a fan. So this is actually even still the case. So it really matches also as reality, the reality and how much we're excited from sports. And only in the pandemic, we understood how important the crowd noise is to the experience of watching a game where you see it sitting at home. Because you create the highlights and there's no crowd and then it's really not exciting. But if we watch it uh, with crowd and other games, it's a totally different ball game. So, so it's actually worked uh, well on that end. And and there was any anything that you guys had to add to the code or had to change in the in the technology in the fundamental level because of COVID, because of these new learnings that. Uh, this new technology, this technology didn't experience before. Was there something that you have to tell it? Okay, so learn that if there's uh, there's no crowd noise, maybe look more or put more attention on on the commentator or on the specific you know hype around the play during like for the players or stuff. Was there anything specific or not not on a very fundamental level? No, not in a very fundamental level. Like the system kept running uh, as it is, so nothing. Uh, luckily for us, nothing special uh, on our end here. Okay, amazing, man. So, man, this th your technology blows me away because of the all the amount of things that it can do on its own. 
Okay, you it's really it's really amazing to see how you created a platform that can work for professional teams, leagues and, and and organizations worldwide. And it can do so many things for them that it can save so much time at the same time uh, for them. And you don't have to like be there for it. So I, I call that leverage and really the power of, of uh, you know, technology and, and code. But at what moment did you realize like or you understood this concept of leverage and the power of like what you were doing and how much time you were saving uh, organizations by you know the technology and the content, particularly in sports. Like when what was the moment when you were, you realized this was like a thousand times more or better than than you ever thought it it would be. Yeah, it's a good point. I'm not sure there's a specific point in time when we started to pitch the, the idea that it was always about now you can do more with your content. Like until today, you had an editor creating one version and that's it. But in today's world or tomorrow's world, back then in 2013, uh, it, it won't be enough because people on Instagram, what's Instagram, but people on social media are expecting different experience from websites, from app, different variations, different lengths. I'm, a, I'm a, a fan of a specific team. I want, want to watch more content of that team and my friend is something else. So we, we always understood the importance of scale. We, we mentioned it as scale to, to be able to scale and create any type of content for any type of experience. And that's something that we put a lot of emphasis on. Obviously in the last few years, we just see explosion in the amount of platforms that are out there and it's, it keeps growing. And I think that's the, that's the thing that we're amazed just to say that if back then we say, okay, social media will be short content, YouTube a bit longer and an app will be vertical and, and that's it. Now, you know, there's the TikToks and Instagram and Snapchats and, and all the sponsors are asking for activations and betting and fantasy. And all of a sudden you have so many experiences and so many touch points and every touch point requires different experience to, to be relevant to the, to the specific fan. And I think this is the, the fun thing because being able to really create the relevant content for, for every platform, every experience, that's, that's amazing. And we, and we, we keep being amazed by the creativity of the leagues and what they're doing and how they activate with content and the importance they see with it. Uh, so I think it's something that is evolving all the time and we keep being uh, amazed, surprised and happy that it keeps growing all the time. And so how exactly do you do you grow from here? Um, I understand that you already work with uh, lots of leagues, so probably adding a new one it has no marginal cost of replication, which is one of the most fascinating things about, about your platform is that you can really just adapt it to their needs. Um, but I wonder if, for instance, there's there's growth that it's harder to tap, meaning if there's probably sports that are harder to analyze uh, through your technology. I'm just gonna you know throw one one example out there, but I don't know if it's like the same thing in like snowboarding or for a mm -hmm. specific Olympic sport like table tennis, where it's like different dynamics and things things are happening different differently. I wonder if it's if that type of growth, meaning a a sport that it's harder to to capture through the technology, um, it's harder to grow to those sports and then to, to the leagues and organizations related to them? Or what, what, do, you, what do you think it's, it's the, the route or the, the path that you're trying to take in terms of growth? What is, what is the most challenging side of growth? And what is what is your plan towards it? Mm -hmm. So it's an amazing question. Actually. So basically, because that's what keeps us busy all the time. What's next for WC and how we keep growing. So when we look at growth and the next step, the first one is, is as you said, keep doing what we're doing, working with more leagues, more sports, more geographies, improving the product, offering more layers and packages, 
and continuing to do that. Uh, and, and, and specific sports obviously are harder, some are, are more similar to others, and we're trying to see what we can adapt and extract from each and every sport and continue uh, on that route and just adding more uh, logos and making our clients happy and, and, and uh, with what we're doing. And the second route, which is looking at new verticals in sports and where else content can be used and where we think we can add value. And we see a lot of uh, places that now we think that short form and real-time content can be very relevant and might be sports betting, which is a new vertical, which is growing an OTT, which is a vertical that is growing and user archive content, which is a vertical that is growing an NFT. So there are a lot of, and again, as I've said, for every touch point, every place a fan consumes sports, every fan uh, uh, platform a fan spends time in, we think that can be relevant. Uh, and then it's adapting the, the technology to the right business case and why there should be content there. So these are the things that we're trying to grow into and basically be the engine that creates relevant content everywhere for fans. Man, it's, it's, it's insane to really... Um to hear you speak with such passion and such clarity on on those things daniel i'm fascinated by by everything that you're telling us you talked a little bit about nfts and sports betting would you mind talking a little bit more about that we've seen um at nba top shot uh the the technology that creates specific highlights and then sells them as nfts and it's exploring this new this new avenue um have you seen other use cases related to to this new trend? Um, and would you like would you say that is the the way um, sports are moving now, or do you have any other specific idea on in terms of content, of course, of what mm -hmm. what fans, not really teams, but what fans are interested in receiving more of? Mm -hmm. So I think two of the trends that you mentioned, both betting and NFTs, we can touch both of them shortly. So betting, we now see, especially in the States, we see uh, like the betting operators, like the fan deals and DraftKings of the world are becoming media companies and creating podcasts and TV channels and trying to really engage fans, not just make them place a bet, but really be an app or, or destination you open a few times a day, even to catch up on sports. And the same way applies the other way around. We see media companies trying to involve betting activities within the broadcast and everything. And our thesis is saying, okay, we think that short form content can be an amazing driver, both for user acquisition, because you might tell to a user, hey, this just happened, it's interesting, here are the new odds, or here's an insight about it, or everything, now come here to catch up and maybe place a bet, or just provide a better experience that as if you placed a bet on something, you wanna be updated and see what's going on, even without spending three hours just watching the game. So we think there are a lot of uh, product lines that were now, uh, some of them were already launched, and some of them uh, now in the making to really make the experience uh, much better. Uh, and in terms of NFT, we see it's a trend and you mentioned the NBA Top Shot, which uh, was about collectibles and archive content, but we also see other companies uh, that some of them are using it, like creating assets and using it like in fantasy sports. And just the, the concept of owning a digital asset is something that is just growing around the world, not only in sports, it's just growing and the trend is out there. I'm sure there are going to be a lot of companies that are going to be very innovative and create a lot of experience. So I think NFT, the first stage was about just owning something. I think the second part will be how you use it and how the fact that you own it will give you benefit. If it's part of a game, part of a competition, part of something else that will be even more. And I think that's where everything is going. And again, I think the fact that you can own something that just happened uh, will be impactful, but uh, we'll see. We'll see soon, hopefully. Man, and, and lastly, I want to talk just about how you came up or 
what exactly is the business model of WSC? Mm-hmm. Is it the amount of time that any of the content that they own goes through your algorithm and gets spread out um, and distributed to, to the different platforms? Or are you charging differently for for each each and one of each one of the leagues and, and teams that, that work with you? Or how exactly do you do you go about thinking uh, offering this service uh, that is software as a service uh, to to all of your customers? Mm-hmm. So the company, as you said uh, in the latter, it's a software as a service business. So basically, it's a yearly or multi-year license fee that the leagues, broadcasters, teams are paying us. Usually. It has a few variations or, or parameters that are defining the price. One is the amount of streams that we need to analyze. You know, the one league can have 200 games while the other can have 1,500 games. So, and obviously a lot of compute power that we need to do. The second is all the amount of use cases they're using the, the platform for. It can be only just to social media and website, but it can be enhanced to Google search and sponsors and app integration and lot, lots of other use cases that will keep growing. And the third one is just the product packaging. They can just buy specific modules or just add more and more modules as they move on. Uh, and then once we understand the scope, so it's a yearly license that usually uh, just grows uh, over time. So that's on the main on the main product line that that uh, we discussed. And then additional ones which are more about user acquisition. And, and user activation, then usually it's with the marketing departments. And then these departments are, are used to paying per activation, pay per click, per sign up, per subscription, whatever. So that's that's uh, on that end. But the main core product is about subscription fee. And do you see WSE expanding to uh, different uh, industries not related to sports? So at the moment, we really focus on sports. A, we're sports fans and we want to have fun with what we do. Uh, <laughs> B, I think there are a lot of a lot of room to grow in the sports world, a lot of verticals, a lot of things that we didn't touch yet. And in the end of the day, if you look at the, at the content worldwide, sport is the most uh, important and expensive piece of content out there. The live aspect is super important. And I think, the, again, there's a lot of room for growth. So at the moment and for the short and midterm, we're still very focused on sports, building the best sports platform out there. And uh, Man, I'm looking forward to to everything we've, we've been discussing here. It's super exciting, fascinating, and especially hearing it from you first and Daniel. Man, I can't leave without asking you a more personal question. Man, what has been the best day of your life? The best day of my life? Wow. I have no answer to that. I had really a lot of good days. The best day, the best day for WSC? The best day for WSC? Maybe when signing the first fundraising, because it was a hard process, and uh, m- maybe that I can't. I think that maybe, but we had again so many ups <laughs> and so much fun time that then. And every year is so different. Like we double every year, and every year it's the challenges, and we're having fun. And so yeah, we just keep enjoying. We're it. just getting started. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Daniel, man, I can't thank you enough for coming to the Halftime Snacks and snacking with me and all the snackers about everything related to you, your story, sports, technology, WSE, the path that you guys have been taking, the technology, the elements, the strengths, the vulnerabilities, and yeah, everything, everything related to it. It has been so much fun, and I've learned so much, so I can't thank you enough. Hope we can do this again in the future, man, and you, you know you're always welcome to the Halftime Snacks, Daniel. very much for tuning in if you enjoy this episode hit the subscribe button and leave a review on apple podcasts if you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports 
make sure you subscribe to the Sports Tech Biz newsletter. I'll leave the link in the show notes. See you all next week. Bye-bye.